This is Here After, and I'm your host, Megan Devine. Each week, we tackle big questions from advocates, therapists, and normal humans trying to show up with skill and kindness after life goes horribly wrong. This week, part two of my discussion about boundaries, how to make them, how to keep them, how to breach them when that's necessary, with special guest Dr. Alexandra Solomon. Stay tuned, everybody. Part two, coming right up after this first break. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get started, one quick note. While I hope you find a lot of useful information in our time here together, this show is not a substitute for skilled support with a licensed mental health provider or for professional supervision related to your work. Welcome back, friends. We have been talking to (laughs) Dr. Alexandra Solomon, author of Loving Bravely on how to navigate the sticky business of boundaries while retaining kindness and curiosity. That is like the question or the topic of the ages. Okay, so our second listener question today is the other side of the story from our first question. How to step away from somebody when you know that the continued connection is not in your own best interest. You ready for this one? I'm ready. Let's do it. Dear Megan, I don't know how to distance myself from a friend without hurting her. I would really appreciate your advice. After a rough couple of years involving illness and some other major life changes, I just moved to a new place and I've been making new friends. There's one girl in this friend group who's had serious mental health issues herself, and she's been trying to get closer to me. She's quite vulnerable, and I just don't think I can offer her the thought, the love, the advice that she needs and deserves. I feel like I don't have the energy to be around her, but at the same time, because she is so vulnerable, I don't want to hurt her by ignoring her. So how can I distance myself from her without being mean? Thanks so much for your help. Okay. Where do we start with this one? Well, this is, I mean, this is certainly a boundaries question. And it's really, it's so tender. 
similar to our last one, I guess I would want to start by just like reflecting back to this listener that there's a lot of novelty and change in her life, right? This, there's been some loss, right? There was illness and other major life changes that may have involved loss and grief. And now she's stepping in and she's building new circles of connection and new relationships. So like I'm imagining her as kind of cracked wide open, right? She's everything is perhaps like in like super like technicolor clarity, you know, like as often is the case when we're like emerging from crisis. So I can imagine that she's just, she's very sensitive to dynamics and, and focusing so much on her own healing and finding her own footing that she's really sensitive to not wanting to be responsible for somebody else. And so that's what, that's the energy in this one particular dynamic is an energy where she's feeling put upon perhaps at a time when she is really needing to center her own wellness and her own needs, perhaps for the first time, right? Maybe that's, that's what this chapter is about for her is like, you know, she's going to really take care of herself for the first time, perhaps ever. Yeah, it could be. We really don't know the whole backstory. What you really picked up on there is, you know, I have gone through some stuff myself and I know what it's like to feel snubbed or ignored or not cared for. And I don't want to do that to this person. And at the same time, I don't have the bandwidth to give them the support they deserve. So I, I think this is actually something that comes up a lot for a lot of people, whether there's a death involved or not. I mean, just the exhaustion of being alive with your eyes open <laughs> eats up so much emotional bandwidth, right? And we've all got people in our lives who are in need of and deserving of a level of support that we just, we just can't give. Yeah. So how do you cut somebody out without being the jerk? Right. Well, and that was, what was the word that she used? She wants to distance herself without being mean. And that's, yeah. you know, I think that, that feels really gentle. Like if this was a man writing about a male friend, I don't know if the, the same adjective would have been chosen, but certainly as girls and women, we are really afraid to be mean, right? We all went through middle school. We all know <laughs> that fear of exclusion, the fear. And so I think that there's a way in which that puts us at risk of confounding healthy boundaries with cruelty or meanness. It, mm. It's what you're saying, Megan, that it is, she's really sensitive to not wanting to overpromise and underdeliver, And that is a generosity, right? That's actually a, a complete act of kindness to not promise this woman a kind of depth and regularity, you know, thought, love, advice. She doesn't want to want to promise to provide things that she knows darn well, she's not going to be able to provide in an ongoing way. So I would really want her to remember as she figures out her next steps, which I think we ought to help and work on scripting for her. But I want her to remember that I hear a lot of kindness in this, yeah. in this, in the way she's positioning herself here. It's really interesting to think about that gender construct of for women and sort of that that feminine end of the gender spectrum, like this idea that having boundaries isn't nice, mm -hmm. that understanding what you can and can't provide is mean. But honestly, like if we if we think about it, that boils things down to this like win lose situation, right? Like if I show up for this person, if I over deliver what I know that I'm capable of because they're deserving of love and support, then I kind of lose because I don't have this in me, but I'm going to give anyway because that's what I should do. So I lose, they win. Or 
I win because I have good boundaries and I, I kind of distance myself from this person, but they lose because I'm being mean to them. Like there's this real transactional win lose mm. thing going on. Mm. I love the way that you reframed that of boundaries are an act of kindness, right? This mm. person, the person that we're talking about here, uh, not the listener, but the the friend in question or the potential friend in question, like they deserve relationships that are available for them and that, Saying I am not the right fit for you is an act of love and kindness and community. We just don't think of them that way, do we? No, 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 no. no. In fact, I mean, in that sort of like win-lose scenario where if this, if our question writer were to just like empty herself of all needs and wants and provide complete and total presence to this friend, in some ways, the subtle message that's being conveyed to the friend is you can't do it on your own. You are incredibly weak and needy and you can't, there's, there's no internal resources. And the only resource you have is me. So in some way, right. In some yeah, ways, like the hubris to be, of that. yeah, to the hubris of it and the way in which it would reinforce for this friend that, oh my gosh, you really are so sick and so ill-equipped to handle your own life that this is the only way you can, it's there, there's a way that's almost like condescending yes. rather than figuring out how to help her tap, not just her internal resources, but also like actual therapeutic resources. Yeah, that is such a fine and subtle and important Ooh. point there that like what we think we're doing very often when we are jumping in to help somebody who hasn't asked for help is we're sending the message that we don't think they can do it. It's actually this really condescending cutting down of somebody else, which which isn't the way that we usually think about that stuff. So mm -hmm. we don't know what the situation is with this person, but we also don't want this listener to, as you said, completely empty themselves of all of their own needs so that they can reorganize their entire life to support this person whose only help is me in the world. Like there's, oh gosh, there's so much in there involving being nice in air quotes and that we yeah. think that being nice is the preferred thing to do, that having a boundary is actually being mean, that we are the only source of support for somebody in the world and that they can't make it without us. Like there, there are just so many different layers. It, it reminds me of what one of the things we were talking about earlier is that relational self-awareness, right? Like being mindful of not making assumptions or presumptions about the other mm -hmm. in this circumstance, but really looking at how is this feeling for me? What comes up for me? What do I need in this moment? And what are the ways that I might respond to this relational fork in the road with skill, kindness, and clarity? That was one of the things I was thinking about. I don't know if this is like a term that you uh, that you use, but one of the terms that, that we use in the, the training model that I've been trained in is we talk about like the remote block operation, which is where you ask somebody like, what does this dynamic remind you of from your past? And so I would, I wonder, you know, as we, if we imagine like what she might want to do next or need to do next, I would want her to begin with that remote block operation. And maybe she meditates on it or journals on it. Like, what does this dynamic remind me of? And she might go back to a memory of whatever, when her dad was really depressed and she had to do everything for him or a time when she was really helpless and people had, you know, whatever the, like, what does this particular knot of emotion and thoughts and urges kind of remind her of, and that might help her disentangle some ways in which the past might be shaping how she sees this situation, or at least 
help her feel kind of like two feet on the ground in the present moment as she moves into like what she wants to do next. Yeah. As you're speaking about that, I'm thinking of sort of defanging the situation, looking for the places that the dial got turned up really high because of past experiences, whether that is a dynamic where this listener had to take care of somebody else to their own detriment before or just messaging that they've had where the the good thing to do is to give and give and give and give and give. We don't know what that mm-hmm. is. So it's not that you sort of review and assess and reflect those things so that like, I don't know, you you find your well of giving inside. Like you don't want to get stuck no. in that sort of thing. Like, ah, we don't <laughs> right. do this so that you can violate your own boundaries. No, but really more to look at like, how can I look for the the high volume, high emotion elements of this so that I can more skillfully communicate my needs and, and my expectations in this relationship without being sort of broadsided by other things that could sort of in the background and monkey with things. I I love that. I love that tool of reflection before action so that you can come to a sticky situation with as much skill as you possibly can. So as we start sort of looking at the close of this episode, we're not there yet, but I want to make sure that we have a couple of suggestions for this listener about, you know, they've, they've done their reflection. They understand that boundaries are a good thing and a kindness. What are some things that they might say to this potential friend to say, I'm not the friend you're looking for? This idea I'm having, I want to talk through with you and get your take on it because I think it's dicey. One thought I had was this, that our, our question writer is new to this friend group, which means there's a kind of history that she wasn't there for. So I have wondered, wondering about what it might be like for her to say to another woman in the friend group, Hey, I'm finding that with, you know, Elaine, I'm feeling this, this, and this, I'm noticing this, this, and this, is it something you've experienced before? How has it been for you? And the reason that I'm hesitant to even bring this up because I is, is that I don't want to create a triangle. I was just going to say, like, Ooh, triangulation. Our, question, our, our question asker and this friend, and then the, uh, you know, Elaine, but in terms of just like resourcing, like what, maybe, maybe somebody in the friend group knows, listen, this is how we've all handled it in the past. She responds really well to this. Like there might just be a bit of history there that could be asked about in love, provided in love. Then our question asker is like, she's not reinventing the wheel. Yeah. So it's, it's dicey and she'd have to really make sure she's coming at it from a place of care and not gossip and not triangulation. But what do you what do you think about that as just like kind of a data gathering? Yeah, definitely my triangulation warning bells go off when we talk about asking somebody else in the group. What I do like, though, is perhaps a period of observation. As you said, she's new to this friend group. She's new to this area. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of data you can gain by observing. Mm -hmm. So that that might be one thing is to sort of take a step back and observe what are the other relationships like with this one particular person? Is this a a pattern that you're seeing? What other information can you gather? And that might just help you understand what that person is looking for, which can inform the way that you sort of intervene or the things that you say. You can also get a sense of sort of who they are as a person and how the whole group works together. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of stand back and observe. It's my basic MO at all social gatherings, stand back and observe. <laughs> so in addition to that, when this person is, you know, this potential friend or this member of the friend group is sort of coming to you with these bids for connection, which is what I hear in this, in this listener question is there's some bids for connection happening and I don't want to reciprocate. 
So mm-hmm. coming up with a couple of things that you could say around like, it sounds like what you're wrestling with is really heavy and I I don't have it in me to to really listen to that right now. Yeah. Maybe you want to offer something else. Like I'd be happy to go for a walk with you. Don't offer something that you don't want to do. We don't want to like make things harder for future you. But I, I think you can sort of interrupt, intervene and connect in the ways that you would like to. Because the other thing is, if this person is a member of the friend group, you're going to see them. Right? right. So you don't want to be like, I really don't like you. I'm not here for this sort of stuff. I would much rather prefer it if you just we just never spoke again. Like that is maybe a little over egging mm-hmm. the custard there perhaps <laughs> so <laughs> well it's a great term isn't it you knew just what i meant one of my favorites okay but i i think you can i think you can do something like that like take some time to reflect is there anything mm-hmm. that i would do with this person maybe it's we could go for a walk or we could go for tea but i do need to let you know that having like really emotional or or really big discussions around emotional things is is just not something that i can really show up for right now Right. I think there's there's a way and this is one of the reasons this feels so sticky for me, not the scripting so much, but just the thing is like this is personal, but it's not personal. Right. Like we say no thank you to people all the time. Right. Like if you're dating or you're in a new place or like you meet somebody at work or a social thing and you you just know that they're not your people. And in a way, it is personal, like the things you're interested in are not the things that I'm interested in, like your ways of connecting or relating or like you're a long distance biker. That's like, that's not me. So we say no thank you to people based on personal assessment all the time. So it's, it's personal, but it's not a personal judgment. And I think that's where it gets a little bit easier for me is it is personal, but it's not a personal judgment. So we're, we're not saying thank you no, because you're a terrible person. We're saying Thank you. No, because this what's on offer here does not meet my needs or my interests at this time. And all of the ways in which you have framed this, which I think is I think I agree with all of what you're saying, all the ways that you're framing it really it's putting ownership, responsibility, accountability on the person asking the questions. Right. Nowhere in that scripting have you said, listen, friend you are too much. You are too demanding. The things that you want are ridiculous. There's no, there's no, there's no judgment. It is just saying, I, you know, I'm not able to um, meet you in this space. And I love also that I think, I think she, she does need to find a way to say something like, you know, one, one thing she could do is kind of kick the can down the street by saying, Oh, I'm busy this Friday. Oh, I can't go biking next Thursday. Oh, I can't do that. But she's just, she's just kind of, you know, kicking the can down the road. So I do think at some point she needs to turn, she will need to turn towards this and say, there are, you know, these are the ways that I really enjoy being with you. And this, this heavy conversation where I sometimes end up feeling really responsible or kind of loaded up with a lot of heavy stuff. I'm not, I'm just not so available for right now. I would be curious to know how else you're resourcing yourself. Like who, you know, how else are you caring for yourself during this time? And how can I support and cheerlead for all of those other kinds of self-care that you're doing so that we can maximize the kinds of connections that really feel good and reasonable and sustainable for both of us. Yeah. You said kick the can down the road. Like, I do think you can buy yourself some time while you observe other dynamics. Yes. Well, that's right. Right. I think you can buy yourself some time and it does get harder to detangle yourself from relationships that aren't serving you the longer you let them roll on. Right. It gets harder to 
put a boundary in place if you've sort of violated your own wishes for a period of time. And that makes it yeah. honestly harder for, in this scenario, the friend in question, right? Like, wait a minute, you let us yeah. go on for three months pretending that you were my friend when you really didn't want this? Like, that's not an act of service either. So I, I think the real message here that you and I both sort of want to drill in, not just for this listener, but for everybody listening, that boundaries are an act of kindness and they're an act of love. They are a win-win situation when those boundaries are delivered with skill. And boundaries, yeah. I mean, boundaries, I feel like boundaries are the things that, you know, as clinicians, as therapists, like boundaries are pretty much all we ever talk about, right? No matter what <laughs> we're talking about, we are talking about boundaries. Boundaries are our friends. That's right. Well, all yes, all it means is the space where you and I bump up against each other. And those are spaces that have to again and again be navigated. And there aren't, the reason that she wrote you this letter is because this stuff is hard and it's yeah. not obvious and we, we don't learn it in school. And we are, I mean, she's concerned about coming across as mean because she's a, she's a caring person, right? She's not, if she was a sociopath, this would be having this conversation right forward. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of goodness in this. Yeah. This, the, you know, this idea that each person is their own sovereign nation. And when you have a sovereign nation, you have borderlands and boundaries are how we negotiate. How do we show up to those places that bump into others? I think, you know, like speaking into that full difficulty, situating boundaries as as an act of love and kindness to ourselves and to others. I think that's actually a really beautiful end note for our time here together, even though we can talk about boundaries forever and ever and ever. Boundaries are something that you talk about on your podcast, Reimagining Love. Of course, we are going to link to that in the show notes, but your podcast is just one of the many, many places that people can find you. So would you tell everybody about your books, your courses, anything else you would like them to know about where to soak up more of your kindness and your wisdom and your insight? What do you got? The best place to start is my website, dralexandrasolomon.com. And there you can find your way to social media. I'm active on the Instagram and there's links to both of my books, Loving Bravely and Taking Sexy Back. And uh, yeah, and then I, I do, I've got a couple of e-courses, um, one for therapists, but one for regular people called Intimate Relationships 101. And then another course about trust for couples who are working on rebuilding trust in the wake of uh, infidelity or betrayal or deceit. So those are all different places to kind of continue to dive into the work of relational self-awareness, which is, which is lifelong work. Yeah, it really, really is. All right. Thank you, my friend. Coming up next, everybody, your weekly questions to carry with you and how you can send in your question for me to use on the show. Don't miss that part, friends. We will be right back. Bean Dad, The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. 
Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Each week, I leave you with some questions to carry with you until we meet again. It's part of that whole, this awkward stuff gets a lot easier with practice. And I definitely want you to practice. Look, boundaries are hard. There's a reason why Dr. Alexandra and I said that, like, basically everything we do can be boiled down to boundary practice. Boundaries are basically need negotiation between humans. And that can feel really overwhelming. Because the whole topic of making and enforcing boundaries can make people panic, this week, your questions to carry with you is a two-parter. Part one, boundary awareness. We use boundaries all the time. We just don't usually think of them as boundaries. So part one is to recognize normal, daily, no-big-deal things that are actually boundaries in disguise so you can up your confidence about them. Be on the lookout. Did you tell somebody you wanted tea instead of coffee? Did you hold your hand up to an oncoming car to let them know you were in the crosswalk and they needed to slow the hell down? Did you tell the maintenance or repair person that the days and times they offered wouldn't really work for you and then you suggested other times? All of those things are boundaries. You're already really good... At boundaries, my friends, start recognizing them. It'll help you feel ready for part two. Part two of your assignment this week, one new boundary. Or maybe one new communicated boundary, because a lot of people have boundaries that they've just never said out loud. 
Is there something that's been bugging you? High stakes or low stakes, doesn't really matter. Something that you've avoided communicating. It could be something as simple as, I'm not ready to talk first thing in the morning. Would you mind waiting to share Wordle with me until after I've had my coffee? Or it could be something bigger, like, I need us to talk about how we're handling the money stress we're facing. Boundaries are not the easiest thing in the world, but they really are our best bet at building the kinds of relationships with ourselves and with others that we most want. Yeah? Try it out, everybody. It is time for your weekly reminder, now that we've talked about boundaries, that I want to answer your questions on this show. Remember that this show is nothing without your questions. It's literally a Q&A show. You can ask me anything you'd like. Bring me your clinical questions, your I'm trying hard to be a really good friend of frustrations, your I'm overwhelmed with the pain of the world questions. Those are super good ones to send in. Let's talk it out. Call us at 323-643-3768 and leave a voicemail. If you missed it, you can find the number in the show notes or visit megandevine.co. If you'd rather send an email, you can do that too, right on the website, megandevine.co. We want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. This show, this world, needs your questions. Together we can make things better, even when we can't make them right. You know how most people are going to scan through their podcast app looking for a new thing? They're going to see the show description for Hereafter and think, I don't want to talk about that stuff. Well, here's where you come in. Your reviews let people know it really isn't all that bad in here. We talk about heavy stuff, but it's in the service of making things better for everyone. So everyone needs to listen. Spread the word in your workplace, in your social world, on social media, and click through to leave a review. Subscribe to the show. Download episodes and send in your questions. Want more hereafter? Grief education doesn't just belong to end-of-life issues. Life is full of losses, from everyday disappointments to events that clearly divide life into before and after. Learning how to talk about all that, without cliches or platitudes or simplistic think-positive posters, is an important skill for everyone. Find trainings, workshops, books, and resources for every human trying to make their way in the world after something goes horribly wrong at megandevine.co. Hereafter with Megan Devine is written and produced by me, Megan Devine. Executive producer is Amy Brown, co-produced by Tanya Yuhas and Elizabeth Fazio. Edited by Houston Tilly and studio support by Chris Uren. Music provided by Wavecrush. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, 
am comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.